Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. To, uh, uh, every Sunday night, we're right Wednesday back here. morning for the women. And Wednesday morning for the women? Wednesday morning for the women. Uh, here, 9 o'clock. Right here, 9 o'clock, yes. And tonight, uh, Outpost, we're back here at 6 o'clock. Uh, oh, something, I hear something. Anyway, um, 6 o'clock here for the Outpost for just a time of corporate prayer. Um, please let us know if there's anything we can do. Pray for you. Also on that card is a, is a place to uh, put a prayer request. We have a mighty prayer team that would love to lift things up. I have Miss Jan Gessley here, and many of you know Jan, the years, 37 years, 37 years in leading our PRC ministry, the Prison Resource Center in this valley, and um, just want her to share with us this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Um, such a privilege to be here. I prefer to be down there, but um, but no. this is my one string on my guitar is the Pregnancy Resource <laughs> Center ministry, so I will keep on strumming. Um, keep strumming. First of all, I just want to start out with the word. Um, so much of what was already said this morning is so appropriate, of course. And um, for the Pregnancy Resource Center today, I bring to you James 127. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, I've always understood that verse for orphans and widows because who is more an orphan than a child in the womb whose own parents don't even recognize them as humanity? Who's more of a widow than a woman who's told, do whatever you want? I'll take care of it, but not there for her. Who's less of a father than a, than a man who's told that he can't be one? So we all understand that and how important that is. And since 1985, when this ministry started, um, we've been there to support women to be able to make a choice for life whenever possible. So it's been pretty awesome. But then we also are told to keep from being polluted by this world. Boy, are we living in a toxic culture? Is there a whole lot of verbal pollution out there that is just being shoved down our throats? That's amazing. So in 1985, Marion Melville, oh, in 1985, this ministry started, and for seven years, we had an office on Main Street, two-bedroom, one-bath apartment. In today's economy, that would have been $294,000 that you donated to the Pregnancy Center. Yeah. And she never once asked for anything. Yeah, that's right, man. Amazing. If anybody here wants to top that today, we have plans. (laughs) We have plans. So we eventually had to move down Valley because we couldn't get free rent anymore. But um, our very first TV, Katie Bergman, gave us our very first 250-pound little TV that we used to help equip and and teach people parenting and things like that. So our very first medical director came from this church. This church has supported us so, so, so much over the years. Last summer, we received enough financial support. Probably 40% of the support um, came for us to be able to purchase this incredible van that we have out there that we now have on the road since last October that goes from here to Grand Junction. 
to serve anybody with a need, whether they need ultrasound, pregnancy test, STD testing. We do all of that. We offer... Um, we offer clinical support. We offer personal support. We offer spiritual support. Um, we offer diapers. And we don't give out used ones. We only give out new ones. Um, by the thousands. What we have done in the last 37 years is really, really huge. When, when you get accused of not giving, um, our yeah. community has given and given and given. You see about 1,000 people a year. Half of them come back after their first visit awesome. for more services. So if you're hearing some of that pollution that says uh, pregnancy centers are this, that, and the other thing, those are lies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't believe it. So today, we want you to come and walk through our van. We are so proud of it. We are so grateful for it. Mary Lou Sims is over here. Stand up because she's tiny. <laughs> she is our executive Baby. director, and I just like, ooh. <laughs> she's taking over the helm. She has a huge heart and huge dreams for the ministry. Right now, today, we need $25,000 just to pay for some repairs to our office, to pay for the $4,000 that we had to spend to up our security because of threats against the ministry. Um, and, um, and then Mary Lou would like to see us open almost twice as much as we are now, to be, to be on the front lines with our van and with our office, with, with people, with translators, with staff and volunteers that can be there to minister to anyone, anytime. We answer the phone 24 hours a day. We have um, just a million ways to get to know us. So, um, so we would love for you to participate with us in any way that you can. We cherish your prayers. We cherish your support. And I just thank you so much for your time today. Um, if you come out to the van, we have these little cards that has everything on it. Our website's pretty awesome. It's really made to reach women because that's there's two ways they find us generally and that's the internet or through their friends so friends are free internet costs us so we're really working on making that great so that they can find us and this is ways that you can see about how you can become a partner with us and helping us in whatever way possible so um so like i said this and this and meet mary lou she's she's an amazing amazing woman we're so thrilled to have her and I so appreciate all of you. I do hope that you can come alongside us and continue with us in this time of mm. pollution and loving on widows and orphans. Yeah. Thank Amen, you. Jan. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Let me just pray. Father, thank you for Jan and Lord, just this years of faithfulness and Lord, just the, the love, the mercy, the grace, the power, Lord, of, uh, of the transformation, the good news of the gospel that just flows through, Lord, this organization to women, men, and families. And uh, Father, we just pray for it would just, you would bring a new, a new vigor, Lord. And Lord, we just ask for gracious hearts. We ask for a provision, Lord, for this awesome vision. Lord, we know this is deep in your heart as a heavenly father, Lord, to protect your children. We lift it up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jen. It's awesome. Wonderful. Good, good stuff. Make sure to just check it out out here before you leave. Um, That would be great. Well, again, welcome everybody. If you're visiting with us, we started a series last Sunday that will be in this summer called Foundations, Renewal of Wonder and Understanding Human Existence. 
So we're going and looking at Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, the first three books of the Bible, and we're kind of merging that with the first three chapters of the book of Romans. They come together in an unbelievable way. The whole Bible's knit together in a beautiful way. And we're looking at foundational issues because we're in a time, I think, where we need to, as church, kind of step back and relook at the foundation of, of what this gospel, what church is all about, what God has called us to. And uh, it, it, we've said this before, but if we get the first three chapters of Genesis wrong, we get everything else wrong. Everything is here, foundational issues of God's intent, His created order, His function for us, our, the image that we're created in, all of it's there. Even the gospel itself is uh, foreseen there. Um, so we're going to just take a little deep dive uh, into that. Everything's online if you want to get caught up. Uh, last week I just kind of threw out a bunch of stuff to get us started on this foundation. We're going to dive in though. If you have your Bibles open to Genesis chapter 1. Um, verse will be in verse 26, starting there uh, this morning. I encourage everyone bring this church. I just think let's get back. I grew up in the day and age where you brought your Bible, brought your journal. You came to church armed, ready to go um, in the true sense of that term. And, um, and you're ready to hear the word of God, undistracted with technology, just the pure word itself. I just highly encourage it. Father, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Um, Father, you promised, Jesus said, where we're gathered, where you people are gathered, you're here. And Father, we ask for just a manifestation of that reality among us, Lord. We come with hope. We come with faith. Um, Lord, there's some just big stuff we're going to deal with. Lord, your word deals with. And um, Father, I pray you prepare hearts. Um, Lord, I pray for conviction. I pray for encouragement this morning. Lord, I pray that our, our ears would be in tune to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church for our hour, Lord. Father, just put that burning, as the disciples said, just where our heart's not burning. Let our hearts burn, Lord, with the truth of your word. Father, you've set us apart to be holy, to be holy like you are. Father, restore holiness to your church. Let it be a desire to seek first the kingdom and your righteousness, your holiness, God. It's the better way. It's the best way. Forgive us, Lord, when we've minimized that. Restore our hearts this morning. Come and move. Do, Lord, what only you can do this morning. You know where every heart is. You know where every struggle is. You know where every battle is right now. Come and meet us at our place of deepest need, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, here we go. We're going to dive in. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 31, we're talking about this incredible, huge, awe-inspiring reality that you, that we all are created in the image of God. Now that statement alone should bring with it some awe, should bring with it some excitement, should bring with it some expectations, should bring with it some hope, should bring with it some just blown away. You're created in the image of the creator. You're the pinnacle of his creation, uniquely distinct among all other creation, anything else. 
There's only one of you in all the universe. There will only be one of you. God knew you before the foundation of the world. The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit came together before the creation was breathed into place and made this loving agreement to have a family, to have children, to share their glory for eternity with us. And to do that, he wanted a real relationship. And he created in you, in your soul, in your heart. Ecclesiastes says eternity has been set in your heart. You will never be satisfied until you answer that question. Never. Our hearts are waiting to be restored back to this image that he promises that we will be like him one day. And in this life, the journey is to come together and encourage each other, push on to holiness, to please the Lord and to rejoice in his presence. So that said, Genesis chapter 1, starting verse 26. Then God said, this is the sixth day, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And every beast of the earth, to every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything He had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning. Sixth day. God's Word. A couple things just want to point out here just exegetically in this text um, before I move us on. Um, is it says, let us make a man in our image. Um, without getting too heavy into everything there, I would say this, who's the us? At the core of the us is this relational God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one glorious God, a God who lives in, un- in community and in love. Uh, any idea of a God who's, who's isolated and lonely knows nothing about love or relationship or community, only the Trinity, only the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this us also is the host of heaven. This is the divine council. The, the glory of a supernatural world with supernatural beings that we'll get into some of this, obviously, as we move in further into the book of, of Genesis. But uh, in the beginning, it says the angels were even there, right? In the book of Job for all this glorious creation where Jesus, we know from John 1, right, spoke. He's the logos. He's the word of God. He's the one who spoke this into, uh, into being. And the other thing down here is that if you read that last part, you might think we all should be vegetarians or vegans, right? Back to just eating plants, green plants. And uh, you might just write in your Bible there, um, uh, the, uh, uh, chapter 9, verse 3 of Genesis, after the flood, God comes with a covenant to Noah and he says, now everything is yours to eat. 
Now again, I'll have time to break down the whole theological move there, but you know moving into the Old Testament, there's a sacrificial system. The life was in the blood. Remember what God is doing in His salvation history. He's moving towards what? Even in the first three chapters we're going to get to, we get to chapter 3, you see the gospel. You see God making the first sacrifice to cover Adam and Eve's shame. It's a picture of what He's got to do through the sacrificial system leading up to the sending of His Son to die for our sins. Life is in the blood. Right? And uh, this idea of being made in His image, if you... Uh, if you read through, last week we saw chapter, verse 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures. So he created all the animals and the living beings. But when he comes to the end of the sixth day, something radical happens. A radical shift. Now God says, let us make man in our image. In the image of God. Now that, I hope to do a little bit of uh, justice to to break down the magnitude and hopefully as our series is to instill some awe some recovery right in our in the church today so we can be a light and hope and, and the power of God out there to a culture that is growing in confusion and bondage more than ever ever before and so let me just run through some of this this morning first thing is are we growing in awe of our distinctiveness among all creatures on the earth you see what the culture says, you got two things going on. One is, is trying to convince your children in school and all of us in school that you really are more like the animals. From verse 24 to verse 26, no, 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 it's just kind of this process, right? The other thing going on now in culture is that, oh, well, we can be demagogues, little Gs, that we're becoming and, and we are evolving into some kind of God. Um, these are the two main things that are pushed throughout history right, to corrupt God's original intent and the original um, creation right itself. And so I, I just throw this out uh, to you is this idea of freedom, um, which is the security of knowing who we are. Back to the beginning of Genesis, if we get this wrong, we get everything else wrong. If you get your identity wrong, you get everything wrong. If I'm confused about who I am, Nothing has any handles to hold on to. That's at the core of my soul, of, who, of my being. This is what the gospel is for. It's to address the core issue that abundant life moves. The Spirit of God comes in and renews, awakens this image, this relationship ultimately with God and brings life, brings holiness. brings a whole new view right, of, of life inside us. And so I just, I just ask you, do you know what it is to truly be free? You ever think about that? I mean, we just, last weekend was Independence Day. But you know, you can live in the freest country in all the world. You can legislate freedom all you want and you can remain in radical bondage. Never understanding what freedom really is all about. Right? You can have all the success in the world. You can have every, uh, all the happiness in the world. Whatever it is and, and never really understand what freedom is all about. Freedom ultimately, folks, um, that God is concerned about is what only the gospel brings. It's when... A person's soul is free before God and is awakened to understand I'm created in His image and the primary thing what God does in setting His image upon you is He's created you a free being. Free to have a relationship with God. Free to make choices and to steward that incredible image bearer that you are. And to steward it and the responsibility that comes with that. Man, when the gospel comes, and this is why, again, this theme of freedom all through, Jacob read for us, right, um, Isaiah 61. 
But Galatians 5, all through the, the Bible, you know, over and over again, one way or another, it says it is for freedom that Christ came to set you free, to set your soul free. No matter what happens out here, no matter what happens to the nation, no matter what happens in life around me, is man, I know I'm right before God. My soul, my heart is free. And folks, do you realize that God has called you? If you know Jesus, if the power of the Spirit of God is the Spirit of God is in you, He's called you to be a witness of that glory. He's called you not to step back and be quiet, not to go on the defensive. He's called you to be radically a light and salt in the middle of the culture, holding up the glory of the gospel. That's primary one for the church, is to be truth tellers and hope givers of the glory of God, and that His way is the best. It is the only way a soul will ever be free and fully who they are. So God can do His work, ultimately and on into, right, eternity. So just a couple things. When God created us, He says, be fruitful, multiply. (laughs) Just what we're dealing here with the the ministry of the Prince of Resource Center, right? Children are a blessing. Over and over again in the scripture, children, I'm going to say it again, are a blessing. Somebody has robbed us of the idea that a career is more important than building a family. People have robbed us to think there's other things that are more important than what? Accomplishing, carrying out the best we can in our context if we have the opportunity. Because God wants children. He wants children who know Him. He wants parents that are leading His children, their children, to Him. That's the whole reason He created us in His image to multiply, go fill the earth. It's because God wants relationship. He wants free beings that can have a real relationship that His, His very being can be inside of, that He can have and share who He is, His very nature and character with. Only us in all creation are created with that image and that, and that glory. Um, so be fruitful, multiply. What does it mean? By the way, let me just step back on that one. Just again, there's so many things we could look at culturally speaking, but you know, smart, we think we're so wise with our technology and, and all of our higher education, and I'm not going to name names here, but I want to, um, who have been touting, you know, population control. Hey, the problem is we need to start, you know, doing what we can do with science and everything else to limit the population. And now this completely flipped on them. Do you realize that? China's about to fall apart. You have depopulation problems in our own country, Europe, Russia, everything else, because we don't have enough people, we don't have enough babies coming up. Um, interesting how God, you ever go against God's clear word, the consequence, it might not be immediate, but there's going to be a consequence, right, to that. And, um, and this is what it's about, submitting to the word of God. Lord, you know best, you, you created this. Even when it just doesn't look right or easy or whatever it is, that's what faith is all about. Trusting in God, no matter what culture says, no matter what anybody says, I'm trusting in His Word and, and to realize the reality of the battle that the world is always contrary at its deepest level to the truth of God. So fill the earth. I love, uh, I think it's North Face, right? It has the slogan, never stop exploring. That's really a biblical thing. Folks, never stop exploring. You realize the adventure that God has for you? Man, if you think just buying your sprinter van, driving around and going to all the parks and having a good time is really filling you up, you're missing it. Hey, that's fun, but you know, God's got a thousand. He, 
And, and for all eternity to steward this earth. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Go, go out there and enjoy it and honor it, right? And, and rule over it, right? As, as, as God's people. And when we are restored to the image, the proper understanding that God has created us. And He's created this earth for us to steward and manage well and, and, and to live in community and, and be there for the other, right? Um, man, that's when life comes alive. It's when the real adventure begins to walk with God. Just look at the, the Bible. Some of these folks, they, had, they would have never dreamed. Right? You think these little fishermen out fishing you know, for a living in this little no-name, no they were called hillbillies in Jerusalem, right? You ever think they'd change the world? No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter anything else, if you give, God is just waiting, heaven is waiting for the Daniels, the Shadmachs, the Meshachs, and you know, teenagers who are willing to set their life, even in the consequence of death in a political nation that was radically against everything they stood upon, they were willing to stand on God's word and make it count. And God's just waiting for people. He's looking in his eyes to and fro. Who in the world's willing to stand for me in holiness? I'm going to come in power and I'm going to do phenom- things you wouldn't even imagine. That's the adventure. The question is, are we right? Re- is the church re- are we even? Are we even creating disciples thinking like that? We need teenagers to rise up again and to move into politics. We need Daniels, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's more than ever to move into positions in this nation who are going to make a stand for the truth of God, right? All right, I got a little off track there. Um, What does it mean to be created to have dominion? You You were created to reign and rule. You're creating the image of God. You're creating His image to reign and to rule. God set that upon you. You might say, oh, I'm not a leader. Oh, I'm just quiet. Well, there's all kinds of leaders. And when we give God our heart, He does amazing supernatural things. And we see in the New Testament, when the gospel comes in, is that we see the renewal of this reigning principle. In other words, it begins with the church representing the kingdom of God. Lord, may your kingdom come here and bring, Lord, your community, your blessing, your love, right? To reign and rule. And that means bringing God's principles into darkness. Bringing God's principle. And folks, wherever you walk, if the Spirit of God is inside you, you walk with the power of God. You walk wherever room you walk into, whatever business situation, whatever tragic situation, you bring the power and the presence of God where all things are possible. You are to bring light into darkness. We're not to step back and cower because, oh, the secular culture is taking over. We don't step back. We're called to move forward and be witnesses and make a stand regardless of the circumstance. That's what it is to follow Jesus. Is to be concerned about pleasing Him more than anybody else, more than culture, more than the, everything on the internet. Is I, I'm, just, I'm making a stand. I'm, I'm faithfully following God. And as a parent, the most important primary thing that we're to be ultimately concerned about is, is my child moving to where they are m- being more concerned about pleasing their Heavenly Father than anybody else. That's the essence of parenting. Is my child moving in a situation where they are more consumed about what they do to please God than anything else? Right? That's transferring the blessing of God. And folks, um, we're going to talk about it a little bit, but I'm telling you, I think that this is a harder time for parenting than ever before. Ever before. And again, I think we all know the reasons for that. And you know, every generation says, oh, everything's going to hell in a handbasket. 
it's different today. It's different today. A lot of reasons, and one we're going to look at even this morning, right? Um, we need to lock arms. The church needs to be the, com- com- the family of God that supports, prays, right? Brings the broken, the hurting, the confused. We need parental support, praying. We need intercession. We need a place of love and restoration. That's what the church is to represent, right? And um, we need renewal, right, in all that. <clears throat> what does it mean to be created in the image of God, male and female? Here's where we're going to camp out. Um, there's so many things I could say here. Again, theologically, you go through the Bible. The idea of creating the image of God. All through the Bible, there's three things that intersect. One is the glory of God that we are called to share in. It says in the New Testament that we will be transformed one level of glory to the next. We will be like Him. That's His desire. He put His image upon us, not to leave us flumbling around, but to make us glorious, make us holy like He is. To be like Jesus. And folks, I just throw out, why is holiness, (laughs) I I think, how do people think about holiness? I throw it out all the time, but you think somebody would wake up some point and say, hey, is the culture and all this, I'm just going to speak to the young folks, is all this being cruel, is all this TikTok and just going to a list of everything else, is this really doing any good ultimately for anyone? Is the party, the sex, just going on everything that, Right, that we've all right lived through in some way or another. Is it really? Is anybody saying everything they're pushing on society today? Is anybody looking at the larger vision, saying, "Hey, here's the vision for it. Here's how this is going to bless our culture. Here's how this is going to bless your family and your soul if you do this." Holiness. We're called to be holy. And, and there's nothing more glorious and beautiful. And, and so it's, it's image, it's, it's glory, holiness. And it's also this idea of being adopted in the family of God. Sonship, daughtership. To have a relationship with God. If we weren't created in His image, we'd be like the animals. We'd be like the trees. We're creating His image so that we, right, can have this spiritual, this real connection. Jesus came to walk with us. He's going to embrace you one day when you come, to, or when he comes here, whichever comes first. He took on a body for all of heaven so that we have a real aspect of relationship. That's God's heart. That's his idea, not ours. It's the only thing my soul longs for. And, uh, all of us created for that. It's, it's down there. Eternity in your hearts. The image of God in your heart. It is the church's role to awaken that. And we've been so distracted just out here plucking away at the battles and culture, which, hey, we gotta, you got to get out there and do that. The first, though, we got to get this foundation. we got to understand what the good news is all about. The main message we should be sharing with everybody. It should be overflowing. The goodness of God, the mercy of God. Every one of the conf- problems with the radical confusion today in people's identity, the solution, there's only one, it is the gospel. It is loving someone, talking with somebody, and it is leading them in to see the bondage of their heart and experience the freedom of Christ. The freedom that only Jesus ultimately can bring, right? Um, all right. This freedom, folks, is, 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 is a radical thing because by God creating us in His image and giving us freedom... Um, we know in the garden, right? We'll get to it. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It means that he's letting us take responsibility 
for our decisions in our heart. Meaning we can honor him and continue to eat of the tree of life and walk and talk with him and be blessed for all eternity and have the generations blessed, take dominion over his creation, expand the Garden of Eden out to the unexplored areas of the universe. Or we can do what Adam and Eve did. And the reality is we've all done it. And we've bought the lie. We bought the lie that I can handle my identity, that I can handle my life better than God. God's holding out somehow on me. And we know the rest of the story, right? And he says here, which we just read, he says, in God, in verse 20, and God blessed them. Do you know that that's God's heart for you? He wants to bless you? That's his heart for you. That's his heart for the world. He wants to bless you. And that blessing comes with creating the image, but the reality is I have to be responsible for that freedom and I have to walk in that blessing because that blessing can turn to a curse. And we'll get there in chapter 3. right? And that's lived out in culture. It's lived out in history. And we all know, right, what it's like to go that direction. Every one of us, in one way or another, we know the difference between God's favor and blessing in our life versus... Man, the curse, when we've gone the way, the current, right, of, of culture as such. And so what happens, folks, when we reject God's image for us and believe we can um, determine our own identity, right? And by the way, I, I, I think it's important to say is I'm not talking about just one kind of person that we, we know is going on in culture. I'm talking about every one of us. Adam and Eve rejected God's identity for them as children of God. And uh, it's all of us who are constantly every day saying, oh, I'm gonna, um, here's the plans I'm going to make. Here's what I'm going to do with my life. Rather than the song we sang, we all need re-surrender. Lord, whew, this life is from you. I need to walk with you. I want to be in holiness. You, I, I'm surrendering to him. You take over. You lead. You speak, God, right? Um, all right, let's dive in here. Um, now, folks, it's... It, it's Amazing to me, the Bible could not be any more clear. I don't care how you spin it. Don't listen to all that crap out there. It's so unfounded, the theological. From beginning to the end, the Bible fits together this way. The message of the Bible in Genesis 1 of God created male and female, and we'll get to chapter 2, so they would be one and create healthy family, healthy society, healthy nations, etc., etc. A healthy family of God. That is God's design. It is consistent through the entire Bible and it's consistent throughout the entire Bible when we reject that. The consequences that come. And I'm just going to take us to probably the most clear uh, description. And this is Romans. As I said, Romans chapters 1, 2, and 3 fit neatly into this connection with Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And this is what Paul says to the Romans, the Christians in Rome. Remember, the culture of Rome, right? Verse 18, for, God's, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Folks, if we, if anybody, whether it is in my life or whether it's a nation or a people, if we suppress the truth of God, there are immediate consequences and generational consequences and eternal consequences. 
And he goes through, I'm not going to read all, all of this because some of this we read last week. Um, but this, this idea of suppressing the truth of God is just look what's happening. And folks, again, I want to wake the church up. I want to wake us up, right? To realize, man, am I holding, am I more committed to the truth of God or affirming culture and affirming relationships and other things because we've been taught this therapeutic thing of empathy and affirmation. And again, let me just say this as clear as I can, is it is not loving to someone to affirm something in their life that is not God's design. That is not love. You'll find that nowhere in Scripture. You can't love somebody and affirm them for something that is not affirmed by God, where God has some very clear things right, to say about the whole spectrum of issues. Right? Um, and that is something I think the church, we need to wake up and we need to be convicted about that. To affirm something that God doesn't affirm is to condone sin and is to be guilty of that very sin. Does that make sense? I'm going to say that again. To affirm something that is against God's word is to condone sin and is to be guilty of that sin. I can't condone something and, and just, oh no, I, I, you know, they do what you want to do and not be guilty of it before God, before holy God. Because He asks His children to be holy, representatives of His glory, of His goodness. There's a better way. There's a perfect way. And God's made provision, right, for all of that. And so here's Romans 1. Jump down to verse 24. And it says, Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. This is because, this is the result of suppressing the truth of God. Whether I do it in my own personal life or whether a nation or community does it, The result of this is God turns us over. Now, folks, in Hebrews 12 says that God is a loving father and it makes it very clear that nobody's a loving father who does not discipline their children. And the father disciplines us so we can share in his holiness. And we see this all whether Old or New Testament is a loving father always brings discipline. Loving discipline, right? And what this word means, he's handed over, it's like this analogy of, you know, God is restraining the world. We know in Thessalonians that when the end gets close, he's going to pull that restraint off and evil is just going to run rampant. And, uh, in our, but you bring this down to a nation or a people or even just to ourselves is if I continue to suppress the truth, God's word in my life, is that God has the tether, it's like a boat and the current of secular, of, of worldly culture is going and we're flowing down with that culture and God's holding that back and what he says when he hands them over, he lets go of the anchor and a person floats the way of the culture and they're left. This is what Paul says later in 1 Corinthians. He turns somebody over. Let's send them out into the world that the enemy might buffet them that hopefully they would come to their senses. This is called tough love. It's something that has to be restored in the church in parenting and everything today. It is never ever loving somebody to enable them to continue in something unhealthy for their life. That's not love. That you will not see that love model. Matter of fact, Ephesians says, speak the truth in love. And we need wisdom. We need support on this with, with each other. How to wrestle, right, with these things today. And, uh, and this is what, what God does. He lists, okay, you're going to go. 
The hope, just like the prodigal son. Remember, the father did not chase his son, the prodigal. He didn't run behind him, continue to give him money. He didn't, when the son called, I don't have any food, I don't have enough power, I can't find it. He didn't continue to write the checks. He let the consequences, he cut the anchor, let the boat go, and prayed. He was there, his arms were open wide, right? He's waiting, expecting, trusting by faith. God, you're going to get old, you're going to change, you're going to wake his soul up, right? And get him. And it was because he's there, he had to get to that point where he came to his senses. And he turned repentance and came back to the Father and the Father's arms are always open wide. But folks, our therapeutic culture has sold you a lie. And that lie has built right into how we parent, how we treat one another, how we speak the truth in love. And we do not know how to handle tough love today. What we do is we enable, we entitle, and we have this very fluffy, affirming type empathy out there, folks, that sins and keeps people in bondage does not set them free with the Word of God and the truth of God. Now that's tough stuff and this is why we need people praying with us, giving us wisdom about practically, right, how to roll all that out. But this is what this is talking about. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because He created us in His image, this body is to be holy and a temple of God where the Spirit of God resides, right? And so the first thing that happens when we run from God is, is I just, I move into impurity. All levels of impurity, folks. Even thought, what did you say? Even if you look at a woman and lust after her, guess what? You've committed adultery. We're all guilty. Lord, holiness, this is your body, this is your mind, God. Help me, show me how. Show me how to be holy. That's what church and disciples are about. Pushing right, this on right, for each other. <clears throat> so he handed them over. Verse 25. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. Does it get any clearer? Why is, that, why is this not held before the culture by the church today? Why is the church, why, why, are we running, why are we running scared? It just means that I'm more committed to pleasing man, affirming than I am to what God's word clearly says, what is best for somebody's soul in their life. Rather than, rather than getting gripped, right, with, with a sense of, of, of deep anguish, right, for people's souls and the love of God, right, to, to step in and to share and get below the surface to that soul, to that heart, what is going on in there, right, that the gospel, right, can come into and restore and, and, and transition and, and help them, right, come to God's wonderful, beautiful design for them. And folks, in the midst of all the confusion today, right, we're confused about it, what it is to be a woman, what it is to be a man. I just want to affirm you, if God created you a man, there's something just awesome, glorious, awe-struck about created as a man. If you're a woman, God uniquely in all that He had you and created you glorious, a woman. Uniquely beautiful, both unique perfectly equal, beautiful, created in the image of God, before God, unique and wonderful, created to come together to be one, to bless this world. 
And folks, until God's people stand up and start speaking, not, ju- not out there like bah, judging, right, and condemning, we're guilty. We're going to read it in just a minute. But about holding up the glory of God and what it is that sets a soul truly free to be free of my identity, who I am to know how God sees me and to move in that. You can't make any progress. That's real freedom. And only the gospel, right, brings that. And so let me take you. Paul applied this in a very specific way to the church in Corinth. This is chapter 6. And um, this is real life issues. Obviously, Rome and Corinth, they had some serious issues in the immorality uh, uh, category. And listen to this. Paul says this. Chapter 6, 1 Corinthians. I think I have it up here. Here we go. Starting verse 9. Church, or do you not know that the unrighteous will never inherit the kingdom of God? Uh, There's so much I want to say here. Let me just say this. This lie that's crept into the church that says that if you say you're a Christian, that you say you believe in Jesus, but you can go out and live and adopt a certain lifestyle or anything else that's contrary to His Word and still be a Christian, still be saved, is nowhere found in the Bible. It couldn't be any clearer. And this is exactly what Paul is saying. And folks, this is where we need conviction in the church today and not affirm that. For years now, we've affirmed somebody because we're oh, oh yeah, yeah, just that's fine. No, it's not. The unrighteous will not inherit heaven. Those, let's be clear, we're all unrighteous, but I'm covered by the blood, but I cannot hold on to something that is contrary to God's word. I can't believe it, and I sure can't live it. And then he lists out all these things, right? Do, do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers um, will inherit the kingdom of God. He just, that's all of us somewhere in there. He's just listing the whole things is you can't be that. That cannot be your identity. You can't affirm that thing and inherit the kingdom of God. But here's the great news. But, You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. And he says, that's church what some of you are. But you met the Lord Jesus. And you were washed. Sanctified. Justified. You were transformed and renewed back to being a child of God operating under the image that He created you in. Folks, we live in a time where that, we are desperate. Our children, our generations are moving in confusion and bondage. They need the good news. They need someone to speak to their soul. They need someone to uphold to them a loving God who can transform no matter where they've been, no matter what they're thinking or have gone through and transform and awaken their heart to who God is. Right? And heal them. So Dirk, come on up. Um, I just want to pray for us. And I want to take the time left here to uh, come to the table. But let's just take a moment. And um, folks, I, I know we have people on our minds. We have children. We have friends. We have our, maybe our own self struggling. So Father, we just come. Holy Spirit, pray you'll move. Just move, Lord. Awaken your church, Lord, to how we've been washed, how we've been sanctified, how we've been justified by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit, move.
Come now. Let's be vessels, Lord, of the glory of your gospel. Just take a moment, just before the Lord. I want to uh, pray for parents and anyone who is in a relationship who knows somebody and, and you've thought the loving thing was to affirm them in that. Lord, I just pray you'll give us all wisdom. Lord, that you'll burn inside our hearts. Love of God. Hope, Lord. Give us the ability to see inside a soul and to speak truth, Lord, in love. Trusting you to do what only you can do, God. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.